0: This is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers.
1: And now keeping himself with Martinez,
0: five. He is going to be in, touchdown. Adrian Martinez off the right edge, runs in from 15 yards out, tying the game. This is the KLIN Husker Hour, giving you an inside look at everything going on at Husker Nation. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Three sets, one over the Florida Gators. Now, shoots
2: the three, got it. Isaiah Roby nails it from three-point landing. And a good time was had by all.
3: Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. That's Caleb Henry. Hello, hello. We are here for you, as always, the night after a... Tough-blown lead for Husker Baseball, 7 yeah. nothing, and they go down late, 12-11. to 11. If you stayed up, congratulations. I did not make it.
1: I, I fell asleep. We've got another sick kid in our house, so... Oh, no. Oh, yeah. You know who didn't give up a lead yesterday? Husker Track won 13 titles yesterday. No big deal. No big deal. Tune up, getting ready for Big Tens. Yeah,
3: that's very nice. We're going to actually talk with... Uh, The head Husker track coach here in just a minute. We've got Chris Basnett coming up later on as well. We're going to hit on baseball and Husker hoops. Nebraska had Michigan State in town on Thursday, uh, and the Spartans came away with a 21-point victory. It's the 11th straight loss for the Big Red there. Uh, We will, of course, get to football as well. Uh, But uh, as promised, uh, let's get right into it here, Caleb. Um, Gary Pepin joining us here on the KLIN Husker Hour here this morning. Uh, Coach, thanks a lot for your time. How are you doing this morning?
2: Well, good morning for having me on and it looks like it's going to be a very beautiful day
3: outside absolutely uh, it was a nice day yesterday uh for husker track uh, 13 titles at the nebraska tune-up it was the last indoor home meet of the season uh there at devanny uh i want to start with your throwers because uh, they had a pretty nice day um some top 10 list performances just how important were they yesterday in the in the competition and how important have they been throughout this season
2: Group uh, of throwers, and um, at the same time, a talented group. And in our conference, uh, they're facing a bunch of outstanding throwers. The throws in the Big Ten conference, uh, with both genders, is the, is the toughest conference in the United States by far. So, uh, particularly the three guys in the in the weight throw, uh, we we felt like all along that they were going to continue to get better and better. Uh, and they did, and they moved up this week. So we're hoping that they continued that uh, progress at the conference
1: championships and can score some points for us in that event. Coach, it's the it's the right time to to peak, but also trying to balance. How do you get the the best out of your athletes going into conference, and then just a couple weeks later is Albuquerque and NCAA nationals. How how do you balance making sure they're they're hitting that peak? Uh, but then not having that let down a couple weeks later if if they do make it to Albuquerque? Well, that's
2: always um, uh, a tough situation. And and, uh, I think the first thing is you got to hope that they're healthy so that the the volume and the workload that they're uh, carrying at that time uh, isn't uh, as such that they're going to be real sore or tired or those sort of things. And then then you also always have the mental aspect of it. Uh, Anytime that you can have success in practice or in the meets well that's a real plus then because they feel like they're doing good they've got a chance to be better all those kind of things and uh we just the opposite if you have a bad meet or two then you kind of start doubting yourself or doubting the training program and, and so uh, this time of the year the workload's not very uh heavy but it can be uh, intense whether it's in the weight room or on the practice session but we got to keep them healthy and, and so to speak the word we use is the haze in the barn at this time of the year.
1: Well you've talked about being healthy having all the mental things go right and Cole and I have talked a number of times and I know a lot of other folks have talked about uh, what sports at Nebraska are winning conference championships. Well your men won the indoor conference championship last year Is there a lot of talk, and I know there's a lot of room for coach speak on, we just kind of worry about what's in front of us, but being the defending champions in the conference for the men on the indoor side?
2: Well, you know, every year when when we start with both the men and women the initial goals, and going back even to the recruiting process, where it really starts, is to try to have teams that win the conference championships, indoors and outdoors, and teams that make it to the national championships and can get in the top ten in the national meet. And as the year, when the year starts, that's our goal, then at the same time, you always have things happen. Uh, they could be positive or they could be negative things, and a lot of times injuries have something to do with that and or you didn't have maybe a particularly strong recruiting year, or you maybe even you had a good recruiting year <clears throat> excuse me, but they're very, very young athletes on the team. So those goals can kind of change as the the year goes and and uh, uh but that's where we kind of start at and that's what we hope to accomplish as the year progresses now to be more specific with your your question uh I would say on the men's side this year we we have a very very solid strong all around team And the proof in the pudding in in that is Track and Field News just recently announced our men's team as the National dual Meet Champions. And we've won, I don't know, several of those in in the past. Now, at the same time, when you go to the conference meet, uh, having just a real good all-around team doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to do well because with as many teams as we have in the conference – Now you have to have people that can compete at a very, very high level. And so I would say whether men going into the conference right now, probably the favorite teams are Indiana has a terrific team, uh, and Iowa is very, very good. And we're we're somewhere in the mix in there. Whether or not we have enough people that are going to be able to score in the top three or four places or not, That uh, we're going to have to find out what happens and hope that we get a little bit
1: better. We're speaking with Gary Pepin, head track coach for the University of Nebraska. You talked about having that all around team, but just like you said, you kind of have to have some heavy hitters across there. You know, we know George Kusha from the, the eight up to the 3000, especially in the mile. Gosh, he's looked good in the mile this year. Um, between him and, and what, what are some other places that you're going to have to go find a way to scrape together some points, uh, to challenge for, for this season?
2: Well, that's right. And, and one, one of the things that, uh, uh, you can't you can't win a conference meet with just uh four or five people that 's one of the things that 's always interesting about it you, you for us to win it takes a real team effort so we've got to have a lot of people that first of all make it to the finals and then get can score enough points once they get into the finals as a collective group uh to total you know points where we can get up there for a high finish now one of the interesting things is strong as indiana is for example i went back the other day to look to see well now how many people right now do they have in a scoring position and and by that that's places one through eight well they had 13. well that's exactly the same number that we had was 13. so now whether or not our 13 can scrape up as many points as they can. On paper right now, it's doubtful. But that's why they have a track meet. Otherwise, we could just have a postal meet and send in our results (laughs) or something. But when it comes to -to head-to-head competition, or who's healthy on that day, and all those kind of things, uh, as I said, that's why they have the competition to uh, to see who the champions are on that particular
1: day. That's exactly right, Coach. That's why they don't have the meet just on Tfers and check to see where everyone is standing. That's you got to show up to the Oval and get it done, throw something out there, jump as high as you can. Coach, looking forward to seeing how the team does next Friday and Saturday up in Geneva, Ohio, and then obviously NCAAs a couple weeks later. Thanks for giving us a few minutes on the Husker Hour this morning. Thank you, and nice to
3: visit with you. All right, thank you very much. Coach Pepin, his 40th season. As Nebraska track and field coach, all time, uh, excuse me, all time winningest in the Big Eight and the Big 12. And he's already got six Big 10 championships to his name as well.
1: You know, they've only been in the Big 10 for a decade. No big deal. One More than half of them.
3: And that's right. And that's the last, it's the most recent conference title for the whole athletic department.
1: Yeah. Right. Um, and I believe was was it was definitely it was the only men's title sure. of all of last academic year. I'm yeah. trying to remember, did, were, was there a women's title last year? Did, volleyball, did they volleyball win? Volleyball came
3: up a little short. A little short, yeah. Um, and I don't think bowling got it last year. I don't know. I, well, and, I think and bowling
1: doesn't compete in the Big Ten. They there's a, there's a different oh, conference. Well, it's a different conference. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: I mean, they're a nationally. But still, yeah, when but,
1: you look at this, yeah. as he talked about, when you go to this conference meet, and especially when even bigger, magnified once you get to NCAA's, is that you have to have your heavy hitters, mm-hmm. which you want to say your men's weight throwers with three in the top five all time at Nebraska, although they're young. They're going against some of the best in the country across the Big Ten, so you have to find a way to put up points there. George Kusha, who has run the best-ever mile time at Nebraska, he also runs in the 800 and the Mm -hmm. 3,000, had a fantastic cross-country season. He's one of the heavy hitters that you have to say, you almost have to go win. You have to go win one of those, score in both of your other ones, and then you have to find a way to have people go and just get points. And they have to add up, and like you said, you got to do it on on that particular day, and that'll be this next Friday and Saturday in Geneva, Ohio.
3: Big competition, uh, big chance for them to uh, to go get another title. It's uh, as you heard, Coach Pepin. There, it's going to be tight, uh, but they've got uh, they've got a shot. They definitely do. They've got the they've got the athletes and the results so far this season to uh, to get it done. Um, it's just about. Uh, just about how they perform while they're out there.
1: I mean, it's just like any other sport. When we, we've talked about football or basketball, you can see it on paper. It doesn't really matter on paper. you got to go out and do it. And that, that's one of the things that I really like about track mm-hmm. is that who throws it the furthest? You're just going to go measure it. Who runs the fastest time head-to-head? Yeah. It's not who had a defensive letdown. Yeah. Maybe you schemed it wrong. Maybe you overthrew a receiver. Mm-hmm. No, it's you line up, you run straight. Whoever got there first, that's how you win. Spoken like a a true Division I track and field athlete right there. Yeah, you know what? we got to throw the flex out there. No big deal. Low key.
3: That's Caleb Henry. I'm Cole Stukenholtz, and uh, that was Gary Pepin. Uh, We're going to get to Chris Basnett a little bit later on the show, talk some basketball and baseball. Uh, We've got a lot to get to just from the last couple of days in both of those sports, Uh, and, of course, we'll talk some uh, Nebraska football as well. Getting closer and closer to spring, uh, we'll see where the – Uh, see where the latest storylines are and what developed throughout the week. As we roll on here on a Saturday morning, this is the KLIN Husker
0: Hour. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN.
3: KLIN Husker Hour with Caleb and Cole. Gary Pepin just joined us, uh, Husker men's track coach. He is... Going to be uh, headed over to Ohio for the Big Ten championships uh, and then nationals a few weeks
1: after that. When we uh, get through outdoor season, which would be like to June, <laughs> yep. Tra- track seasons last week. if you're a distance person and you have cross country, your cross country stuff starts, like the meets and things start in like August, September, Yeah, you go through all of fall semester doing that and then you get to indoor season, which there are some meets begin in December. Still going indoor season right now, which will immediately go into outdoor season, which can go out uh, nationals up to June. You get like a month off. It's like a year-round sport, literally with competition. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would love to sit down with Coach Pepin and just for like one hour in the summer talk about the track program that he's overseen for decades, but also the fact that there's going to be that new outdoor track. Yeah, coming for right. nebraska because of that uh the 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 go big campaign. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, yeah, that would be interesting to get his thoughts on that. Um and it's nice to know that football's not the only year-round sport.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> there there are some other sports that do happen to go on throughout the year. I guess. I mean baseball's kind of year-round and stuff. And... I mean every sport's year-round if you play at this level.
3: Yeah. Um when you really get down to it, but um one sport that I think some Husker fans will be happy to let go of just for a little bit until we get those red shirts in, in, <laughs> on the floor uh, is basketball. The Huskers fall their 11th straight game. Uh, the 11th straight game, they've been down by at least 14, 14. points. Uh, they had it down to, uh, well, at halftime it was, what, a three-point game? It was
1: three only because Michigan State hit a three with, what, like 15 seconds left in the half. Yep. And Well, and,
3: and Deshaun Burke, who <laughs> scored... Uh, almost all of his points in the first half. Yeah, he, um, he had, had 18, eighteen of his
1: twenty-one. But nineteen came in a minute and a half flurry, or nine of them came in Not, a minute yeah. and a half flurry. He had flurry.
3: three three straight threes um, on four on four consecutive possessions for Nebraska that uh, that sparked the Huskers and got them within three. They cut it to seven late with Gervais Green's three. Yeah, uh, which was I think that was maybe like seven or eight minutes left, and then Michigan State just put it away at that point. They went on like a 16-2 run or a nine-nothing
1: run. I it was it was, not, yeah. it was not a very good finish. Well Nebraska had a 14 minute stretch where they got three total field goals. Yep in the second half. Yep. That's one of those things where you have those stretch. Quick sidebar though, doesn't Gervais Green's jump shot look like something you build in 2K? Does it look better than Cam Max? Well yeah. But but his jump shot, and I, I said this on Twitter the other day, when his shot is going in it's such a like it's such a beautiful work of art. Yeah, it looks his nice. jump shot.
3: Yeah, and it looks nice a lot more recently too because he's actually been uh, playing a little bit better. Um, he had eight points in the loss to Michigan State. Uh, played about twenty minutes on the floor, the fewest of any of the starters. Um, you got a lot of Deshaun Burke off the bench who gave him some rest, and mm-hmm. Kevin Cross, Charlie Easley, Cole Rope. Uh, those guys uh, just they just couldn't hang with Michigan State. Michigan State had. Guys hitting shots all over the place. They finished nine for eighteen from three pointer in the first half, four for nine in the second half. Uh, so forty eight percent for the
1: game. And we have to remember they started two for eight from deep.
3: Yeah, that's So, right. they, so they closed they so the much better. Half. Yeah. Well, and you had guys just. It seemed like every single one they took. um Kyle Aaron's. He was four for six, but I don't remember him missing one. Um, Cassius was three for four. Gabe Brown went five for eight. He had five threes in that game. Um, I remember, mi- I remember missing a couple, but not many. He hit twenty two. He was the the, the game high uh, for the Spartans. Aaron Henry had twenty, and then Cassius had nineteen. Look, Michigan State has had some hard times this year. They're not the same. They're not the same level that you expect them to be. They're only ten and six mm-hmm. in conference play this season. Eighteen and nine overall. Um, they'll still make the tournament, and they'll still probably make the elite eight. Because that's what Tom Izzo does in March. Yeah, and but, I
1: mean, you you get them a good matchup. Yeah, that's a team that make makes runs with good matchups. Yeah,
3: it's just with Nebraska at home and the way that they've kind of been trending in the right direction lately. I mean, obviously you had the close call against Maryland, mm-hmm. number nine team in the country. Um, they put that Penn State game and the Iowa the Iowa rematch and the mm-hmm. in the, um, uh, the Rutgers games. Those are all. Those are, I think. Maybe their bottom three Big Ten performances—they've put those in the rearview mirror, uh, but they just—they just can't find the consistent forty minutes. They can't even find like the consistent thirty minutes. Yeah, um, to get them far enough into a game to to, to win it. Um, they're just—I don't know—I don't know if you just chalk it up to the first year or if it's the way they are are kind of losing confidence with losses piling up, but. I don't know that they're going to find it in 2020. They are just they just may not get to that point where you see consistency for that extended period of time instead of just, hey, look at this, they made a quick run in like three minutes and then they fall off again. Or, hey, they've played really well defensively for like 10 minutes now, but then if they, they can't sustain that either. So I don't know that you're going to see that in 2020.
1: No, and that that's been the thing that we've talked about all year is what is that consistency going to look like um, for multiple games, let alone, you know, for a half. Getting through an entire half when you've done things really well. Um, Also have been kind of dependent on some other teams missing some shots or missing some players. The last time Nebraska ball won against Iowa, they were missing their stud freshman. A bunch of guys missed some shots. Garza still got 16 and 18. Uh, but they were a little bit dependent on teams not shooting well. Um, And some of that does go towards Nebraska playing defense so hard for stretches. But one thing, when the ball, and Coach Hoyberg has talked about this, if you have a defensive letdown and then you go to the other end and shots aren't falling, the defensive letdowns start to kind of mount and go and go, and then you're twofold. Your shots aren't going down and everything is going down for the other side, and that's those are the runs that we've seen. Um, a cool thing, though, that we haven't even mentioned – was that Jack Hoiberg got the start? Yeah, that w- that was that was a cool thing. Played the first two minutes, then played about the final three minutes. Got four points, mm-hmm. hit a couple mid-range jumpers. That was fun to see in the uh, uh, the post-game press room over there. Jack getting in and getting to finish the press conference with his dad. Yeah, which of course Fred said, uh, "It's taking too many long Is
3: that <laughs> an efficient shot, Jack.
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: that, no, that was really cool, and and to find out that that was when. When Jack found out, it was just about a minute and an hour before the game. Yeah. When Fred found out, he's like looking on the floor and he's like, "Oh, number ten, that's Jack." Oh. Yeah. That's the clean version, by the way. Yeah, that's the clean version. <laughs> we won't play that on the air. Um, no, that was that was really cool and and good on Tom Izzo for for making that happen.
1: I completely agree with with what Izzo said, though. It's about moments. Even yeah. even he didn't do it to say, "Oh, I think we can win." Even if they would have lost, he he said it was still the right thing to do. Because they've got a cr- close relationship for what Jack has done for their team, um, especially the scout team stuff that, I mean, we can ask Delano, we can ask Shamil, we, mm-hmm. we can ask all these guys what it's like to go through and you have to set up all of the plays that the that the ones have to run against. Yeah. It was nice to see, and then he, he got him out two minutes later, and the game went on like usual. Yeah,
3: the, look, even if they would have lost, Michigan State fans probably would have blamed that. They weren't going to lose because they played a non-starter for two, for minutes. two minutes at the start. of the, that was, And he
1: didn't hurt him either. He yeah. had an offensive rebound and an assist and missed one shot. Yeah.
3: No, it wasn't bad at all. I want to talk about another guard that played in that game yesterday, or yesterday, Thursday, um, and that's Cam Mack. Uh, six, one for eight again? Six rebounds, six assists, two points. Yeah, one for eight from the field. Missed both threes he took. So he was he was not start. He didn't didn't start against Penn State. Um, in that game, he went twenty two minutes. Did not score a point. Um, he had thirteen against Iowa, four against Maryland, eight against Wisconsin, and just two yesterday against Michigan State. And this be this was after a stretch where he had double digits in every single Big Ten game. He was only in single digits this season against George Mason in South Florida that was a uh, the last two games that when the Nebraska uh team was down what in the Caymans? Mm-hmm. um so yeah is, th- is this that, stretch is since Penn or State like is cuz he he had he has come off the bench before for you know whatever violation of team rules you want to call it missing uh missing practice or being late to practice or being late to meetings or what have you um it's not been specified publicly what he's missing these starts are for um but he started all but 3 games uh this last one though has just led to just an offensive letdown. He's still producing in terms of rebounds and assists, but I don't I don't how how far can a team go in a not very good team at that? How far can a team go when your leader on the floor is not able to even get into double digit points um game in and game out just one time out of his last 5.
1: And he's I mean we'll also Throwing this on there, his last two games he hasn't turned the ball over, so which is so, good. So that, that that's a good part the, there. The
3: assist things never. I mean, the assist to turnover ratio is fabulous. Yeah, has been all season. Yeah, but the lack of scoring is mm-hmm. a new deal, and that started yep. with him being absent from the start of that Penn, Penn State, State game.
1: Yeah, that that is. And okay, so first of all, some of the misses I would I would categorize as you obviously you don't want misses. But he's in a good position when he gets to the rack. Yeah, uh, we'll call the we'll call those good misses. Yep. Um, the bad misses are the ones that we've seen. Even when he when he puts up a bunch of points, are the I'm going to settle for this long step back, hand in my face three pointer that goes off the backboard. Like there, there are some just bad shots that he takes. But early on in the season, or I guess before the Penn State game, we almost lived with it because he would make some of those. Mm pull out the bow and arrow, but now those shots aren't going in. A lot of the times, he, he beat uh, Jack Hoiberg to the rack yes. twice, yep. only made one of them. So you would think you have to, and I, I even said that Nebraska should have just went one-four low and just lined up and said, Cam Mac, oh, at the beginning of the game, just ISO off the top of the key, yep. five possessions in a row. Yeah. Obviously, they didn't, which is fine. Yeah. Fred said he wanted Gervais Green to just post him up right away. Um, but <laughs> you would think Cam Mack has to, be, has to finish at the rim because he can get there so consistently. He can beat anyone off the dribble. He has to finish when he gets in the paint. Yeah. We're not seeing that. We're not seeing him really finish anything. He's still getting the rebounds and assists. So that starts to make me, as we kind of forecast to next year, how much is he going to be when you do have these guys come out that can score the ball? how much are they going to need to be kind of ball-dependent when they have it versus is Cam going to be able to just run the offense but not be expected to score?
3: Well, and I don't know that that's a bad thing because if if you look at the way this season's gone, there have been times where they've needed Cam to score points. Well,
1: for sure, yeah.
3: And so part of that is because there's not that much of offensive talent elsewhere. There's not enough of it on a consistent basis to be able to count on it when Cam is not providing the points. Mm -hmm. So if you add guys like Banton and Stevenson and Walker next year who can shoulder some more of that scoring load, that's not necessarily a bad thing because Cam is the type of player that doesn't need to be scoring all the time to have an impact on the game. But that being said, I wonder how engaged he is on the defensive end in games like this too. Yeah. Because – I mean, look, it's its probably not very fun to lose 11 straight times going out on the floor, no matter what level you're at. I play slow-pitch softball. That's my level, and I don't like losing 11 in a row either. Um, but if you're if you're best, quote-unquote, your leader on the floor, your best player, whatever you want to say, um, and you can argue about that, I guess, but he's been the most talented guy on the floor for Nebraska, I think, this season. Without a doubt. And so if you have the lack of consistency from a scoring side when you've had it all year up until I mean it's it's a stark contrast you go to that Penn State game where he didn't start he goes to zero it's the first time since the Caymans where he hadn't gotten into double digits let alone score a point that's concerning to me and I wonder where he goes from here uh, with just a few more games left on the schedule this year and a big year next year with getting some guys in that have been redshirting this season
1: I just hope this is something that carries over and, and I know we've said it about the football team sometimes. Carry that bad taste into spring and get better. Yeah, I hope this is one of those things that a lot of the guys on this team, obviously Cheatham and Kavas aren't coming back. Yep. But I hope the rest of these guys carry that bad taste and say never again. We're we're not going through this again. We're going to bring those other guys back. There's going to be the recruiting classes come in. This was the first year with a new coach, first year that all of that the gang got together. Yep. Never again. Yep. And you you hope that that's what the mentality is. Um, and you hope it's not a poor me mentality. And I haven't seen that. Um, honestly, you, you see them come out and there's, there are the lapses on the defensive end for yep. quite literally everybody at some point, yep. but like coach Hoiberg has said, he wants to see the energy and effort. And we do see that for large stretches of these games when they come out and play so hard. And honestly, I don't know how you do that when you've lost 10 in a row and you come out and you, you go blow for blow with Michigan state for the first 20 minutes. Yeah, that, that, that's something admirable to see.
3: Yeah. Uh, Nebraska did also, since we last joined you, uh, Wisconsin was uh, last Saturday. That was an 81-64 loss. Brad Davison scored about a zillion points.
1: And the uh, Badgers set a school record for three-pointers made on the road, giving them of a total of uh, 34 between the two games.
3: I don't know. that They've got like a four-game stretch where they've hit 34-3 yeah. other than the Nebraska games. Five more regular season games left. They're at Illinois Monday. Home for Ohio State Thursday, um and then after our next Saturday show, they'll be uh hosting bottom feeding Northwestern Sunday, March first by the way, their only big ten win against Nebraska,
1: yeah, and that game could decide who's thirteenth or fourteenth yeah. for the big Ten tournament, which hey, you're playing on day one, regardless, oh, yeah, I don't know
3: that it matters, but i would you would you would hope that Nebraska can get a little bit of momentum going into that. I don't think they're winning at Illinois, they could certainly beat Ohio State at home. Yeah, uh, but that Northwestern game, I mean, if you lose that one, uh that's tough because I think having having the start that they had, you had the surprise win against Purdue, the the nice performance against Indiana, um the shocking win against Iowa, um and and really nothing else to show for it other than experience for these guys and you hope that they can build on that for 2021.
1: That's that Northwestern loss was the first of this stretch, by yeah, the way. Because that, that was, that was immediately after the yep. Iowa game. Yep,
3: yep. And that was when everybody was literally everybody in the Big Ten was winning at home and losing on the road. Yeah. But Northwestern has proven to be terrible this season, like mm. even more so than Nebraska. Nebraska was two points away from number nine, Maryland. Yep. Um, you know, so it, it's, took, it's a long slot. Took Rutgers,
1: that. Rutgers to the edge of the rack. That's like, true. Yeah. You've seen the stretches where there is kind of that, that hope, that silver lining.
3: It's it, you can yeah it, it's it's there it's it's bubbling under the surface but it's not gonna mm-hmm. I don't think it's gonna come out uh, until we get to next year. Um, Chris Basnett from the Lincoln Journal Star covers basketball uh, and baseball. We're gonna get his thoughts here uh, in just a little bit. We'll run down the baseball loss from last night. Late night, 12 to 11, a seven nothing lead blown for the Big Red. Uh, they'll see if they can get back on the right foot today against San Diego State after losing to San Diego. Uh, and then Arizona on Sunday. We'll talk to Baz in just a bit here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Stick with us.
0: Talking with current and former Huskers and those who cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN.
3: Cole and Caleb here with you on a Saturday morning, as always, and it's Right in the midst of the second Nebraska baseball series of the season, they are out in San Diego. It's the Tony Gwynn Legacy and San Diego Toreros, uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers, San Diego State, and uh, Arizona are the teams out there. And Nebraska falls last night, Caleb, late. Um, yeah. And it was uh, an 8 well, o'clock. Ve-
1: yeah, very late. 8 <laughs> o'clock first
3: pitch, and it was uh, an offensive showcase. It was 12-11 to 11 final uh, with San Diego coming out on top. Uh Nebraska led seven to nothing uh with six in the third inning. Uh, you had San Diego kind of clawing back with four with three in the fourth, you got five in the seventh. It was tied at nine. Um Shea Shanneman gave up two runs in the eighth inning. Nebraska's uh closer this year, even though the the game was uh well, Nebraska had taken the lead uh and he was brought in after one. Yeah, they,
1: they briefly took that lead uh okay. ten to nine. Yep.
3: One one batter faced um, for uh, Martin in the eighth, and then Shannon came in to try to put out the fire. He could not, uh, and uh, the the Huskers fall up uh, just short. They get one in the ninth, but they couldn't get it back to tied or take the
1: lead. Eighteen hits in the game, yep. but just like we saw last week, um, eleven left on base. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the part. the The thing we're seeing at the plate in the patience. That's all really. That's I'm never going to disparage that. That is amazing to see. The patience at the plate, the guys that are able to put runners on, now it's completing that part of it, getting those guys across the dish. Um, Left a bunch of runners on in Waco, especially in the the second and third games, which those ended up being losses, one of them in extra innings. That was a big comeback. Um, And now you go up seven and need to keep piling it on rather than leaving those runners on. You also... We we've also noticed that when the runs happen, and this happened again in Waco, it's because of an error. An error happens, and then things kind of snowball for that inning. And that's yeah. that's what that's what we saw last yeah. night.
3: That's what happened in the seventh, uh, for sure. That's uh, part of the reason why Nebraska was not able to get the victory last night. Cody Jeffress for San Diego, he's their number eight hitter. Uh, he had a double and a triple in the game. Uh, and uh, went two for four with two RBIs and three runs scored. Um, that that was that's tough when somebody in that part of the lineup. I don't I don't know a lot about the kid, but if you're in the eight spot, you're probably not going to be who they're counting on mm-hmm. offensively. And for him to have that kind of performance, um, that was big for them. Um, for Nebraska, should know one of the guys that did not play Jackson Hallmark. Yeah, um, is available. He made the trip, uh, but did not play last night. Um, he got banged up on. Uh, it was the first game, right? It was the
1: very first game. Early in the game uh, was going out to right field to try to run down a ball. Um, and him and, uh, was it Schwellenbach? That, they, they ran into each other? Yeah, it might have been. Uh, but, yeah, it was early in the game. He ended up watching one more pitch, and then he came out. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he made the trip down there. Cam Chick yesterday, four hits. Yeah. Uh, I believe, was it five or six different Huskers had multi-hit games? Yeah, five with multiple hits. Yeah, that I mean, that that's the thing you're you're having guys put the ball in play, get on base. Yep, just got to get them across that dish. Yeah,
3: everybody for the Huskers got a hit yesterday except for Ty Roseberry. Um, he went 0 for 4, but everybody else had at least one hit, um, including uh, like you said, Cam Chick had four. Uh, Aaron polensky continuing to rake. He had three for five day, three RBIs, two runs scored, also walked. Um, he he was he was big for the Huskers. He had two doubles. Uh, as part of his three hit performance, um, and, and Luke Roscom um, he had, he faced, uh, six at bats as well. Uh, went two for six with two runs scored and a run batted in Mojo had two runs batted in, um, Schwellenbach, Polenski and Roscom each scored two runs as did as did freshman Leighton Ban- Banjoff, who's played DH so far, um, in all four games this season, the freshman from Ohio, um. Nobody was worried, Caleb, about the offense coming into this year. I think everybody kind of expected the offense mm-hmm. to maybe sort of pick up where they left off. They didn't lose a lot of production, but pitching was going to be the question. Um, and and Gareth Stroh went five strong. He he gave up four earned or excuse me three earned four total runs, three earned, um, struck out four over seventy eight pitches. Uh, not a bad performance in his second start for the Huskers.
1: And I know we'll have Baz on, but I believe Baz tweeted out. That Stroh is leading the known universe in <laughs> run support. Yeah.
3: Yeah. He was uh he was getting it a lot. he, of course, was on the dish or on the on the mound for that nineteen to nine win over Baylor when Nebraska scored eleven in the first inning. Um and had a lot of run support. Uh again yesterday just uh just couldn't turn it into a W. Uh Max Schreiber, Tyler Martin, Shea Shannon, and the other husker pitchers to go. Schreiber got roughed up a little bit. Uh in that seventh inning, he gave up four earned runs out of his five. Uh, did not strike out anybody uh, in one and a third innings on twenty four pitches. Uh, yeah, I, I, the pitching is going to be where you see um, Nebraska either either make or break the season. I think Schreiber had a really good performance last week against Baylor. Uh, just didn't have it yesterday. Um, you'll see Colby Gomez on the bump today, and then tomorrow it'll be Cade Povich. Uh, those are the guys that started the Saturday Sunday games yep. against Baylor as well. Um, I, I don't I don't know how far the pitching will be able to take Nebraska. I know it'll I know it'll improve here and there. I think it will, at least for most guys. Um, they just I think you gonna I think you're gonna be hard pressed to find those those bridge guys, right? You you feel I think they feel pretty good about the starting rotation, even though that may evolve throughout the season. And I think they they like what Shea Shaneman's gonna bring as a closer. Yep. But how do you get six, seven, eighth innings how do you clear those to get to the ninth if you have a lead? And that's what they weren't able to come up with yesterday.
1: Yeah, that was, like you said, that was the question mark coming in. How do you replace? Because, first of all, they've got to figure out what the weekend rotation is once you get into the Big Ten slate of games because none of those guys returned. Nobody returns that started a game in the Big Ten last year. Yep. Um, and, obviously, Stroh is pitched in the Big Ten before. So and Gomez has a lot of yeah. experience, just was a bullpen guy. Yeah, last so year. you have some guys with experience. But nobody that's done that for Nebraska to go out. The The runs are going to be there. Got to find a way to score them. But what is it going to be on the defensive side of the ball, especially if there's an error? How do these pitchers respond and keep things from snowballing? Because uh, so far that's been the Achilles heel. Even with run support, if there's an error, Nebraska starts uh, letting crooked numbers go up.
0: Yeah,
3: and, and that's that's definitely been a concern. Four errors for the Huskers yesterday. Um The defense, not where it needs to be yet. Uh, And and the pitching is still, uh, like we said, a work in progress. Uh, We're going to run down all this and more uh, with Chris Basnett, covers baseball and basketball for the Lincoln Journal star. Uh, We're going to catch up with him right after this. Don't go anywhere. This is the KLIN Husker Hour.
0: Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN.
3: KLIN Husker Hour here on Saturday morning. That's Caleb Henry. I'm Cole Stukenholtz, And joining us on the line now to talk baseball and basketball with us is the man who covers that for the Lincoln Journal-Star, Chris Basnet. Chris, uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, baseball went pretty late. How are you doing this morning?
4: Uh, I'm a little groggy. I'm not much of a morning guy to begin with. We uh, we we had some Big Ten baseball after dark last night, so I'm still <laughs> recovering. But I think I'm going to make it.
3: That's good. Well, uh, Nebraska's uh, defense, I think, is uh, still needing a little bit more recovery time. Um, we we didn't. I think conventional wisdom coming into the season was that the offense would be there. You weren't sure about the pitching. Um, defense has kind of let them down yesterday. What 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 do you think has revealed itself so far through four games? I know it's early. Um, but uh, the limited information that we've gotten so far about Nebraska baseball this year.
4: Yeah, the the defense has probably been the the biggest, I guess, disappointment uh, if you want to call it that. We knew the pitching was going to be a question mark uh, come into the, the year, and what's the best way to to help your pitching out? Well, it's to play good defense. And you can go back to the Baylor series last week. Uh, they had a costly error that that really hurt them in, in that game. A couple of them. You, you go to last night, four errors that you know started rallies. Uh, for San Diego when, when Nebraska seemingly had that game in control. So it, there's there's no reason to push a panic button yet or anything like that. But at the same time, uh, Nebraska's got to get the defense fixed uh, just to help get that young pitching staff some confidence because it's not going to get any easier uh, for those guys. Uh, we, we've seen the struggles already in the late innings with the bullpen. So the the, the quicker that defense can, can get things figured out, the more that's going to help the pitching staff.
3: Uh, lineup wise, you saw Cam Chick go four for five from the leadoff spot yesterday. Um, five guys with multiple hits. Uh, this offense has come to deliver uh, what everybody kind of thought, kind of picking up where they left off. Um, is there, I guess, are there any surprises on on the offensive side yet? Uh, with with you know, not a whole lot of new guys even to look at.
4: Yeah, I don't know if there's a lot of surprises yet. I think Leighton late, late Banjoff, the freshman, has been a been a real nice addition so far. He had a, he reached base five times last night, had three hits, uh, got a hit in the series against Baylor. But no, I, I think it's kind of been what's expected so far. We we knew the offense was going to be good. Will Bull, of course, uh, had a reputation as as an offensive coach being the hitting coach at Texas A and M. So. Yeah, we knew that wasn't going to be an issue. Just with all the experience they had coming back, I think the the one maybe concern you have right now is Jackson Hallmark's health after he got banged up against Baylor. Because so that's a guy that that really gives you some toughness, not not only in the field but at the plate as well. And and so, yeah, that that's kind of where I think we thought it would be right now. Nebraska a good offensive team. I, I think you've seen some of the new guys. Ty Roseberry's had a really nice start to, to his year. He had he didn't have a hit last night, but he worked. He was at the plate five times. and worked five full counts. So. That's a guy that I think can help them down the road, too. So, yeah, no real surprises there yet. I think that's kind of what we expect just because Nebraska had so much experience coming back to play.
1: Baz, the offense is hitting well, but last week in Waco, go one and two, left 25 runners on, left nine more on uh, last night. I know in in football it's yards don't score points, and in baseball, runners getting on ducks on the pond doesn't score runs. But how how is this offense going to find a way to get some of those guys across the dish?
4: Yeah, that's that's maybe the one question mark you have. And even though they did score 11 runs last night, which you know when you're playing on Friday night, you score 11 runs. As Will Bull said, you should probably win that game a hundred times out of a hundred. But yeah, they lost nine guys, and some of that just comes down to you know getting a hit in the right spot and having the right guy at the plate. You know that's not a real concern yet in my eye, just because it is so early. Because some of those situations, you, you maybe just have the, the wrong pitching matchup. Or maybe, you know, you hit a ball a foot to the right and it's a hit instead of a double play or, or something like that. So, you know, until it gets to a point where, you know, Nebraska is really struggling to score runs, I, I don't know that even the number of guys that they've left on base really becomes a problem yet. But it's, it's certainly something to keep an eye on.
3: Squiff Quiff from the Lincoln Journal Star joining us here on the k and Husker Hour. Colby Gomez goes today against San Diego State, and then Cade Povich tomorrow uh, against Arizona. Tonight's game is at 8 o'clock, tomorrow at noon. Uh, let's switch gears to Nebraska basketball while we've got time. Uh, the Huskers go down. Their 11th straight loss uh, was to Michigan State on Thursday, 86 65. Nebraska now 2 and 13 in Big Ten play. Uh I guess the blunt way to say this, Chris, is it going to get any better this season or are we all just going to have to wait until 2020, 2021?
4: Yeah. I'm, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of been a wait till next year attitude. Most of the year, I think certainly I think Nebraska's got a chance to beat with Western at home here in a couple of weeks. I think they can give them with Western or give Ohio state a game at home here in a couple of weeks, but you know, as Fred Hoiberg said the other night, that they are what they are at this point. It's just, they're good enough to to stay with pretty much each and they play for twenty or thirty minutes and we've seen that over and over and over again but but the depth just isn't there. The overall talent just isn't there right now. They have a lot of nice pieces, but they don't have enough of those pieces right now so yeah it's we knew it was going to be tough we knew the big Ten was going to be a grind and and that's you know kind of exactly what we've seen. You know, it's it's a year that kind of set expectations, set culture, and things like that. And you know, the one thing I will say, Nebraska's continued to play hard uh, through this stretch, even even with uh, 11 straight losses now. And as long as I think this team continues to do that, you, you can't be too upset.
1: Trying to look a little bit into next year, we know there's going to be three big pieces that are sitting out this year, and maybe you might see some some playing time for guys like Charlie Easley and a call a rope kind of go down a little bit, but how valuable is them being shorthanded, not having that depth that easily in a rope do get to see some more of these uh, Big Ten minutes for their development going forward?
4: Yeah, it's, that's really important because you never know. You never know when you're going to need those guys. We can look at the we can look at what happened at the end of last year uh, when Nebraska just had so many injuries and, and was quite frankly running out of bodies at one point. And you had to have guys like Turner step up and Johnny Trueblood step up And being able to get those guys, you know, like Charlie and Cole, get them that experience this year, in a year where there's not, you know, a lot of pressure to win a lot of games, but still get out there and see top-notch competition, that's really, really important. Because you can never have enough depth uh, in any sport, you know, basketball, football, whatever it may be. So, yeah, those guys being able to get some experience, being able to see what it's like on the big stage, under the lights, that certainly can do nothing but help them going into next year.
3: Another minute or two with Chris Basnett from the Lincoln Journal-Star. Something or nothing, Chris, with Cam Mack, since that uh, non-starting day against Penn State when he scored zero points, he's gone four of his last five under double digits. He'd only had two games all year before this stretch where he didn't hit double digits in points. Is that something or nothing to you? Uh,
4: Probably more towards nothing. Um, I think teams are just defending him a lot better. You know, he's still, he's still distributing uh, pretty well. You know, he's just struggling with the shot uh, right now. The three-pointers aren't going down like they did uh, earlier in the year. He's still getting open looks. You know, and they're, just not, they're just not going in. He had two wide-open layups against Michigan State uh, early in the second half that didn't go down. You know, so I, I think he's still getting himself decent looks. I just think the shots aren't going in. And part of that certainly is, is how teams are defending him and, and the competition level he's seeing. And part of it's, you know, we got to remember he's just a sophomore, too, playing his first year of major college basketball. Yeah. So part of it, too, is him going through that maturation process, too, just like everybody else on that team. So to me, nothing right now. Um, again, he's he's continued to play hard. He's continued continue to, to distribute the ball. So, yeah, obviously, he'd like to see him score a little more. But but his first, his number one priority in Fred Hoyberg's offense is as a distributor. And as long as he continues to do that, I, I, I think you're okay there.
1: All right, Baz, we're going to let you get out of here on this, and I'm going to need two answers out of you. One, what your answer is to our poll question, as well as what you think Husker Nation's answer to the poll question will be. So if Nebraska doesn't win another game this season, how would you feel about the first year of the Hoiberg era? Fine, it's rebuilding, a disappointment, excited for future, or who cares, we beat Iowa.
4: (laughs) Well, Oscar Nation, I think, would be the who cares if we beat Iowa, because <laughs> that's always going to be the, the number one answer. You know, for me, I, I think it's excited about the future, and, and and you mentioned it. They've got three big-time players sitting over there on the bench that are going to be eligible next year. You've got a guy in Teddy Allen that's going to come in and be an immediate impact guy. You know, who knows what other rosters are going to get made uh, over the next weeks and months as they get ready for next year. You know, i I think you look at you look at Fred Hoiberg's past. He went to the NCAA tournament year two at Iowa State, and I'm not saying he's going to do that at Nebraska. But I think Nebraska is going to be significantly improved next, season and have a lot more weapons next season. And the the roster may look different, starting lineup may look different, but but the talent is going to continue to get upgraded. And that, in my eyes, that, that's all you can do right now. You know, it, that's 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 the name of the game is recruiting and, and getting the guys and getting the dudes you need to compete. So, yeah, to me. Even if they don't win another game, you've kind of got your, your tempo established, the way you want to play established, your culture established. Now it's about finding guys. And we, we know Nebraska's got some guys sitting out. They're going to be big impact guys next
3: year. That's Chris like Lincoln Journal star, joining us here on the Husker Hour. Chris, thanks a lot, and uh, enjoy the other uh, late-night baseball you'll have tonight.
4: <laughs> thanks, guys. Appreciate the
3: time. All right, that's Chris Baznet joining us, as always. Uh, Usually every month or so we have him on. He covers it all for the Journal-Star. All right, we got to get out of here and wrap this thing up in just a minute. This is the KLIN Husker Hour.
0: Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. Big thanks to Gary Pepin. Nebraska
3: head track coach, and Chris Baznett from the Journal-Star. If you missed any of that, you can always catch up on our podcast page on KLIN.com. You can follow us on social media, on Twitter and Facebook, at KLIN Huskers. And speaking of, uh, one more time, let's give everybody that poll question, Caleb.
1: That poll question. If Nebraska ball was not to win another game this season, how would you rate or how would you feel about the first year of the Hoiberg era, fine. It's rebuilding. It's a disappointment. Excited for future, or who cares? We beat Iowa. Who cares? Who cares? We beat Iowa. Yeah, that's right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> One out of two. Yeah, Iowa's trending to be like a five seed.
1: Yeah, they're tra- is, They're trending to make some
3: noise. Yeah, Big Ten. Uh, that's it's
1: going to be an interesting
3: watch the rest of the way for um, the Big Ten teams that are good at basketball this year because there's going to be a lot of them that get into the tournament, uh, and then there are going to be a lot of them that go far in the tournament, I think, too. Uh, What's on tap for Nebraska this weekend?
1: Well, we've got women's basketball this afternoon at 2 on B107.3. Baseball still down in San Diego, take on San Diego State at 8 tonight and at noon. Uh, Tomorrow they'll play Arizona, both of those games right here, 1,400 KLIN. Monday, men's basketball at Illinois at 7 o'clock, 1,400 KLIN.
3: That's right, and then they'll play again on Thursday. Thursday. That's, Versus uh, Ohio State. And Ohio then, uh, State. Maybe the only other game they'll win this year, they take on Northwestern at home after that.
1: Ooh, it's wrapping up. It's It's getting close to March. Five ooh, games ooh.
3: left for Nebraska basketball. Um, spring ball is coming soon. We didn't actually talk about football today. Wow.
1: Yeah. That, wow, wow, that is coming up.
3: <laughs> right around the corner. Go Big Red.